Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Welcome to Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us? Let's begin our worship. Oh 
that song great? That's like one of my favorite songs. I'm celebrating today my Savior's victory over the enemy. Amen? I mean, I, my Redeemer lives. I don't know about you, but my Redeemer lives, and I'm so glad that Jesus Christ saved me from my sins. So thankful. I'm glad that you're here to celebrate that with me today. So thank you so much for joining us here at Kavanaugh Church, the best place to be right now in this moment of time, Kavanaugh Church. Love you guys. Been praying for you this week that God truly does move amongst his people here and that we just become encouraged and enlightened and ready to just go back out and be a light to this, this dark world. Quick question, is everyone having a good holiday weekend so far? Good. How many of you have handed out candy at already at least or gone trick-or-treating? Anyone? Well, y'all, all, yeah, some of you. Okay, well, get ready because tonight is the night. And I'm more excited than my boys because I'm teaching them a lesson on tithing. You know, those Reese's cups are mine. 10% goes to dad and mom. All right. Anyways, sorry. I had to. Anyways, let's all stand up and ask God's the blessing on our service today. I love it. I got even a white chocolate ghost right here in my pocket for my mid-sermon snack. All right. <laughs> let's pray. Lord, we love you and so thankful that you brought us all back here together today, God. I, I love my church family. And, uh, and again, thank you for saving us. We, the, the, the grave no longer has any sort of grip on us because of what you've done, and uh, we rejoice and celebrate that today. I, I pray for salvation today. I pray for um, that, that you move among your people, God. I pray as the word is preached that our hearts are touched, that we come to real, realize that you are sovereign over all, that you love us. I pray for peace in the lives of our people. I pray for brokenness to be made whole. I pray for the pain to go away. I pray for healing among us, God. We love you. You love us. You are our God, and we are your people. Be with our services today, and uh, as your word is preached, uh, our hearts are open so we can become the people that you want us to be. In your name, amen. Let's continue to worship.
and he hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. This is just a reminder, it's just a promise from God that when we need him, he is near.
this morning for who you are and what you mean to us, Father God. We're so thankful to feel your presence here with us in a mighty way, Lord God. I just pray that you move in our midst, Father, and be real to each and every one of us this morning. I pray your anointing on Brother Will, Father God, that you give him the words that we need to hear and help us, Lord Jesus, to hear and receive to respond as you would have us to. I'll just ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. I appreciate the worship. Glad that you're here. Yesterday, Angie and I were down in Waco and seeing our daughter Callie took her some furniture and uh, got tickets to the uh, uh, Baylor Bear Texas Longhorn game there at McLean Stadium. Let me tell you, in Texas, the pandemic's over because that stadium was full, all right? And uh, th those fans got rowdy. It was loud in there, and it was a, a dynamic experience. But you know what? It was more dynamic in here this morning as we worship God. Amen? And if, let me tell you, if people can get rowdy at a football game, I think you can get a little bit rowdy in the house of God and give the Lord a little bit of praise. I, I almost started running the aisles during one of those songs, but I didn't want to set a bad precedence because... I don't want you doing the same thing and tripping, all right? So uh, anyway, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hey, it's Halloween, and uh, I'm not in a series of, of sermons right now, so I thought, you know, Halloween, I'll just preach on the devil. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do this morning, uh, just kind of take a tour through the Bible and find out how the devil operates and what the devil is trying to do in your life. Has the devil ever attacked you? Okay. Uh, he, he accuses the brethren. We're going to find that out here in a moment. The, the other day, he brought all kinds of accusations against me. It was, it was a miserable day. I felt the oppression of the evil one. He, he was saying to me how sorry I was and how no good I was and that I wasn't worth anything and I didn't deserve anything that I had. I didn't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve my grandkids. I don't deserve being pastor of this church, that I am, I am nothing. My value is nothing. I'm, I'm not worth anything. And the devil was just heaping it on to me how bad I was. Does he ever do that to you? Well, he did it to me half a day, and I finally got sick of it. And so I said out loud, devil, all of those things may be true, but at least I didn't lose my golden fiddle to a hillbilly down in Georgia. Thank you, Charlie Daniels, all right? Here, I really did do that, all right? But I have discovered that, that most people go to one extreme or the other when they're talking about or thinking about the devil. One extreme is that we take the devil way too lightly. And that we, we don't see him as a real entity, a real person created by God. We think of him as this evil influence that may or may not have anything to do with our life. And so we just kind of brush the devil off. That's bad thinking. 
Okay, stinking thinking. Thank you, Jake. That's why you sat on the front row to help me out with stuff. That's stinking thinking right there. The other extreme is to become infatuated with the devil or demons or satanic things, and we become engrossed in it until it captures us and sucks us in, and he has us where he wants us. That's not only bad thinking, that's bad living. We want neither one of those extremes. We want what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Now, it's interesting. Verse 11 comes at the end of this paragraph where Paul is dialoguing over forgiveness, talking about brothers and sisters in the church offending one another and how important it is for us when we've been offended to forgive one another lest we allow anger and bitterness creep in and destroy our relationships. So in this context of talking about forgiving one another, here's what he says about the devil. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. And Satan is always looking for a foothold in our life. He's always looking for a door that's just cracked open so that he can come in and take advantage of us. And let me tell you, Ronnie, if something happens and we have a bad word with each other, if we don't settle that and forgive one another, the devil is going to take advantage of us. And he's going to destroy our relationship. Lest Satan should take advantage of, of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And that's where we need to be today, folks. We, we don't need either one of these extremes of either taking Satan too lightly or becoming infatuated with him. We just need to understand the way he works and not be ignorant of his devices because he is after you. He's after your kids, your grandkids, your family, and this church. So we need to be aware of the way he is working. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, as a backdrop to this sermon, uh, let me just talk about the devil for a moment. The devil was originally created by God as a good and powerful angel. In fact, his name was Lucifer. He was called the star of the morning. Lucifer was the greatest of all the archangels. He was the model of perfection, the Bible says. He was full of wisdom and beauty. He was the guardian of God's throne until, as Ezekiel explains to us, wickedness was found in him. And did you know that the very first sin that was committed in the universe happened in heaven? Wickedness was found in Lucifer, the star of the morning. With pride and jealousy, he declared, I will raise my throne above that of God. And the first sin was committed. It was the sin of pride. The devil said, I want the throne of God, and I'm literally going to raise myself above God. So he led this revolt with one-third of heaven's angels against Jehovah God. And they were thrown out of heaven down to earth, where they immediately spread their revolt into mankind through Adam and Eve. Now, the Bible is, is full of explanations about who Satan is and what he's up to. We read in the Word of God that he's had three objectives, basically. His first objective was to dethrone God. We just talked about that. He wanted the throne of God. Pride rose up inside of him. He wanted God's throne. So he led the revolt, and he was kicked out of heaven. Objective number one, went down the tubes. 
Secondly, he wanted to destroy the Messiah. After he couldn't dethrone God, he thought, okay, I'll destroy God's son, the Messiah. There's a passage we will refer to in a moment from Revelation chapter 12. It's about a lady, a baby, and a big green, red green. Big, I was at Baylor game yesterday. A big red dragon. And that big red dragon is none other than the devil. What did the devil try to do? He tried to snuff out the Messiah at birth. He tried to kill Jesus at birth. He failed in doing that. And so 33 years later, he thought he won when Jesus died on the cross. And all of hell rejoiced. But God had the final word because three days later, Jesus rose from the grave defeating death, hell, and the grave. So plan number two, objective number two, destroy the Messiah, went down the tubes. So now he's trying for objective number three. What is his objective today? It is to take as many people with him to hell as he possibly can. And the devil is working overtime on that. Look at me, everybody look at me. Theme for the day, the devil is not your friend. The devil hates you. He wants to destroy you. He knows his end result is eternity and a lake of fire. And so he's trying to take you, God's greatest creation, to hell with him. Now, in achieving that goal, today we're going to discover how he works, what he does, how he operates. And as I've read the Bible, I've I've, I've distinguished four zones are four areas the devil works in constantly. Those four zones are these. In heavenly places, zone one. Zone two, international politics. Zone three, amongst unbelievers. And zone four, amongst believers. So buckle down. Buckle down. Write these down. We're going to look at the four zones that the devil operates in and what he's trying to accomplish today taking as many people to hell with him as he can. Zone number one, the devil operates in heavenly places. That's kind of weird to think about, but look at this passage, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before God day and night. So day and night, constantly, before the throne of God, the devil, Lucifer, the star of the morning, is bringing accusation against the brethren. For countless ages, Satan has had access to the presence of God. We we read about these accusations, not only here in Revelation 12, but also in the book of Job. Job chapter 1 and 2, he comes with a smirk on his face to tell spiteful tales about the faults and the failings of the people of God. He makes accusations and charges against Christians that affect their character and also destroys their influence. He rails these accusations, the very presence of God. Right now, he could be making accusations against you to the throne of God. Now, I want you to put this into your thinker because I'll come back to it in a moment. 
not only does he do that in heavenly places in the presence of God, I think he uses people here on earth to speak those same accusations against believers. Hang on to that. Hang on to that. But we know he's doing it in the throne room of grace. Now, I'm really not for sure how all this happens. Okay? All I know is we have it here in Revelation 12, and we see it on display in Job chapter 1 and 2. So it's got to be happening. Somehow the devil has access to the throne of grace, and when he gets into heaven, what's he doing? He's bringing accusations against you. Again, I don't know how it happens, but it could be something like this. Satan brings accusations against me, William Richard Harmon, before the throne of grace. He may have already done that this morning. And he says, this man, Will Harmon, is a sinner. He's lied. He's cheated. He's harbored anger, wrath, malice. He's had evil thoughts and evil desires. He is a sinner, and he deserves hell. And not only that, the devil knows his business because he lists times, places, and specific sins that I have committed. And I know I, 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 know I just blew your, what you think of me, that I'm, I'm perfect. I ain't perfect, I'm not perfect, and neither are you. And the devil knows that. And so he brings these accusations against me. And, and he says, if anyone is deserving of hell, it's Will Harmon. And I, again, I don't know how it plays out, but maybe the father looks at the son and says, are those accusations true? And the son hangs his head and says, yes, they are true. But it ain't over. Because the Father demands that the book be opened. And in heaven there's this ancient book. I don't know how big it is, but it must be enormous. And he says, look up Will Harmon. And so an angel looks in the book and he finds my name, William Richard Harmon, 815-1961. And he says, in the case of Will Harmon... The accusations of Satan have been nullified by the blood of the Lamb. And it's not anything that I've done. It's all that Jesus has done. All I've done is place my faith and trust in Jesus. I've trusted the blood of Jesus, and his blood has washed away my sins. And because of my declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, my name has been put in that book. And I've been set free. And so he brings the accusations, but guess what? They don't stick. Because I'm covered in the blood. Jason used this not long ago when he preached. Annie Wilson, I love her songs. She's a new songwriter, singer. She wrote a song about the devil. And I think you threw the words of that song up on or played a little bit of it. One, one verse says, devil's still lying and accusing me, trying to bring me down, and trying to bring down what's been redeemed. But I'll stand my ground, stare into his face, and fight back with power 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The accusations are going to come, whether the devil speaks them to the throne of grace or someone speaks them to your face. But you know what? Don't let them get you down because if the blood is in your life, they will not stick. The devil works in heavenly places. Number two, the devil works in international politics. Thank you. Thank you, Siri. Did y'all hear Siri? I found this on the web. International politics right there. Satan is behind much of, if not all, the evil and turmoil in our world today. Beginning in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve, he diabolically afflicted the human race with sin. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 11 tells us that Satan is the prince of all the demons or fallen angels. This is no doubt an allusion to the fact that the world of evil is highly organized and Satan is at the head of it. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul describes the internal structure of Satan's demonic host. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And you know what? Sometimes I wish we did. Brent, sometimes I wish we could just duke it out with the devil hand to hand, bust him in the mouth and just fight him like that. But we don't do that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Church, listen to me. We are in the evil day. It's on us right now. We are to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand in the evil day. And having done all, we need to keep standing. Not give up, not crawl in a hole, not run away. We need to stand in the power and might of our Lord. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places refers to Satan's network of demons who are spreading evil in our world today. And again, we're not duking it out with him. It's not a physical fight. This is a battle of the mind. This is a spiritual battle that begins in our brain. And the devil is trying to warp the minds of mankind. He's trying to warp the minds of our children. I've seen it happening in my lifetime, and I'm not that old. Well, maybe I am. But I can see it starting in the 1960s. Just just this kind of a, a, a little spark that has mushroomed. And now it's this big, huge ball that's rolling across the world. And it's the, the, the thought of tolerance. We, we are being taught tolerance. They're cramming it down our kids' throats. It's on every TV channel you turn on. It's everywhere. The world wants us to be tolerant towards others. The devil wants us to think tolerance. 
just let everybody do whatever they want to do. There is no ultimate right or wrong. There is no truth. It's whatever you say it is. Let's be tolerant. The, the crazy thing about that is those who preach tolerance are the most intolerant people when it comes to this book. They want us to be tolerant towards them, but they will not be tolerant towards the Word of God. So we stand. We don't do it belligerently. We don't do it mean-spirited. We do, we're not mad about it. We're not mean. We're not hateful. We don't do like those Baylor Bear fans were doing yesterday. I'd never experienced this, but you know, this is Baylor Bear right here. And they would do this one cheer. Kill, 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 kill. And my daughter and son-in-law, they went to Baylor. They were right beside us yelling, kill, kill. I thought, my ladies, this is a Baptist school, and they're, kill. Yeah. We don't, we, don't, we don't have that spirit about us. We have a spirit of love, but you know what? We're standing on the truth. <laughs> Did you know they have a contest every year to see which country has made the fastest supercomputer? What do, what do you people do with your free time? Why don't you <laughs> Google it, man? Right now, Japan has the world's fastest supercomputer. 2021, it's in Japan. It's called the <laughs> Fujika, the Fujika computer. That's the way I say it. That's not, I listened to it on, on the web, and that's not the way they said it, but I can't say it the way they said it. So I'm saying it's the Fujika computer, named after Mount Fuji. It, it blew the competition away. This computer boasts of nearly 7.3 million cores and a speed of 415.5 petaflops. Anybody know what a petaflop is? Raise your hand if you've ever heard petaflop. Just a couple. That's, that's the speed of computers. The previous speed of the last supercomputer was like 78 petaflops. This thing, the Fujika, has 415.5 petaflops. It's super fast. <laughs> but you know what? Satan doesn't need a Fujika. He doesn't need a supercomputer. He has spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places operating at his com command. He has a complete dossier on every government, all political leaders, and every person alive. The devil knows more about you than you know about yourself. Satan's army of darkness works overtime to spread evil and turmoil in our world. The dark, bloody trail of Satan's deeds are seen throughout world history, beginning with leaders like Pharaoh and coming all the way up into modern history. It is my personal opinion that Satan has something to do with all of the evil, all of the sin, and all of the vice in our world today because he is the prince of the power of the air and he is the God of this world and he hates you he's not your friend and he's trying to twist politics to destroy us don't i don't man i don't get into political stuff don't trust the government you need to trust god 
Though number three, he works amongst unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 puts it like this. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. You might think, well, if somebody is lost and not going to heaven, the devil will just leave them alone. No, 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 no. He wants to make sure they don't believe. So what does he do? He blinds their mind. Now think about that. When you're blind, physically, you can't see anything. When the devil has blinded your mind, it, it, it stops your thinking process. So basically what's this, what this is saying is the devil has, has created something in your head where you're not thinking straight. You're not thinking plainly. On the way home from Waco uh, last night, we stopped in Allen, Texas at an In-N-Out Burger. Anybody big fans of In-N-Out Burgers? It's a pretty good little burger. And we were sitting right there. And I, I don't know why I did it, but I brought up a political thing and was talking to politics to Angie. And, and she made the statement, how could anyone believe that? How, I mean, how, how could a rational person believe that? How could they think that? And I was, you know thinking about this sermon, it was because Satan has blinded their minds, and they're not thinking right. And, and that, that has, listen, that has perme, perme, permeated our society. Again, I, I hate to get political with stuff, but like, I just, let me just talk to you. For, I'm coming down here to talk to you. Just, just a modern illustration, I think, all you can understand and relate to. You got a, a young boy, let's, let's say he's junior high age, Nathan, maybe high school kid, and he, he has this stuff going on in his head, and he decides that he's not a male gender, even though God plumbed him that way. He identifies as a female. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a girl. I'm going to identify with a female, as a female. And so because we've had tolerance shoved down our throat, we think the proper way to respond to that is say, okay, that's okay. You can be whatever you want to be. Even though God made you a certain way, if you want to change it, go ahead and change it. And our government has said, oh, yes, we are tolerant towards that. In fact, we want to protect you. Yes. And so what has our government done? They, they, have, they have created laws that say that if a young boy decides he wants to be a female and identifies as a female, then you know what? We're going to call him a female. We're going to let him act like a female. And he can use the girls' restroom at school. He can play on the girls' volleyball team. And he can take a shower in the girls' locker room. Now, if you're getting mad at me right now, it's probably because you have given in to this tolerant thinking and you're thinking, preacher, you don't need to be saying that about people that, you know, no, right is right and wrong is wrong. Okay? And don't, don't applaud me right now, okay? That's wrong thinking. But what's even crazier thinking is a government that says it's okay. That's what she's referring to is how can any rational person think that that's okay? It's not okay. The devil has blinded our minds 
I've raised two girls, and let me tell you, they went to school in Greenwood. They both played sports. And if they would have allowed a boy to come into my daughter's locker room to take a shower, Big Daddy Will would have been down there <laughs> trying to do something about it because it's wrong thinking. The devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Did you know in Africa there is a species of snake called spitting cobras? They, they actually spit their poison 15 to 20 feet in the air. And Gary, they aim for your eyes. They're spitting at your eyes because if they can blind you, they're going to bite you. And if they bite you, it's going to kill you. That's what Satan does to unbelievers. He deceives them into believing his lies so that he can doom them into the pit of eternal hell fire. And he is working in our world today, blinding the minds of unbelievers. Zone four, he works amongst believers. He is the accuser of the brethren. Now, I've already talked about this twice, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but let's go back to Revelation chapter 12. This is the chapter about the, the lady, the baby, and the big red dragon, all right? Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has, have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. He is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before the throne of God. Now I'm going to come back and take that out of your mind that we put in a little bit ago. Not only does he do that at the throne of grace, he is speaking that to others on the face of this earth so that they can speak those accusations against you. He uses people to bring accusations against believers. Why? Because he wants to bring you down. He, he wants to oppress your life. He wants to, you to think that you're not worthy and that you don't matter and that God doesn't care about you. Don't listen to people who say that junk to you. They're just a, a tool for the devil. And their accusations are not going to stick on the blood. Another word about that, don't you allow the devil to use your tongue to speak accusations against believers as well. So how does he work amongst believers? He brings accusations. He is the accuser. Number two, he is the tempter of the believers. Go back and study this. There, there is no such thing in the word of God as a temptation. There is a temptor. He is a created being. It's the devil. All temptation comes from him. He tempts us and he troubles us in a multitude of ways. He is a master manipulator. And he uses every avenue to get his, to his victim. Satan chooses who, when to tempt us. He's stalking you. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he knows when we are at our weakest point. And he chooses when to tempt us. Satan chooses how to tempt us. In fact, the Bible says that he has the ability to transform himself into an angel of light. And he will whisper in your ear, oh, you know what? That might be wrong for everybody else, but <laughs> you're special. And God may have said that's not a good idea for certain people to do that, but you're different. God knows your needs. 
it's okay, go ahead, do it, it's not going to matter. He knows how to tempt you. He knows what gets to you. Satan chooses what or whom to use as an instrument of temptation. He he, he does have a dossier on you. He knows everything that gets under your skin. He, He knows which buttons to push. And he's pushing those buttons. You are going to be tempted. Are you alive right now? Raise your hand. Are you breathing? If you are alive and breathing, the devil is after you. He is going to tempt you. Before this day ends, he's going to tempt you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Throw it up on the screen. Therefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. But our God is faithful. You know what? There is no temptation just invented for you. We've all been tempted the same ways for the same things. There's nothing new under the sun. So don't think you're special. No, you're you're just part of the plan of him bringing you down to hellfire. He's after you. He's not your friend. But our God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. And God knows your limit. God knows how far the devil can take you. And God is not going to allow the devil to take you past your limit. He's not going to allow you to be tempted that point which you are unable to deal with it. But will with the temptation also make the way of escape. And it's not going to be an option of door one, door two, or door three. There's one way of escape. And God is going to give you that way of escape. And you need to take that way of escape. Because you will be tempted. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like your family. He wants to destroy you. He accuses you. He tempts you. Take the way of escape. Now, I'm just going to throw this in as bonus material because I've got three minutes to do it. He's not only after you as a believer, he's after the church. He wants to destroy the church. Satan is working to accomplish the following three things in our church. He wants, to, he wants us to be diverted from the mission that God has called us to. And I, again, I hope you understand what our mission is. It's, it's real clear. Walk over to the new building. Look on that huge wall going into the new worship center. We have our mission printed. Mission of Kavanaugh Church is to win people to Jesus Christ. We are to win unbelievers to Jesus Christ. We are to train believers to become disciples. And then we send disciples out into the world to make an impact for Jesus Christ. That is the mission God has called our church to. And the devil is doing everything he can to divert us off of that mission onto secondary issues and things that really aren't that important. So I want you to understand that as your pastor and as a church staff, we look at every ministry that we have constantly. Is it fulfilling the mission God has called us to? Let's not get diverted on doing good things that are not the thing. Because if he can get us focused on something else, the second thing is going to happen, and that is he wants to divide the membership. He wants to divide this. He wants to cause strife and friction inside the church amongst believers 
You, you go back, just go back and read Paul's writings. He has so much to say about this. You know, don't, don't let anything happen amongst you that, that will cause anger and bitterness and, and a wedge between you. Deal with problems in the church because one thing that God is not about is disunity. Our God is about unity. And we are to be one. So stop fighting with one another. Stop all the infighting. Don't think that this is just about you. It's all about me. The only people that matter are me and my three, my kids, me and my wife and my kid. That, that's all that matters. And if, if you don't play the game the way I want you to play the game, I'm going to go down the street to this other church over here. Walking way over here. If, 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 that, if that is your attitude, we are a family. And you know what? There's going to be... Feuds and families. Families, you know, they argue. But you know what we do? We love each other and we get along with each other. Because we don't want the devil to divide us. Because if he divides us, then the third thing is going to happen. And he, it's, it, he'll dissolve the church. We got to Waco Friday. Callie was still working. We did some things. and uh, I, I had about 30, 40 minutes. I just kind of drove through Waco. Waco's the home of Baylor University, the largest Southern Baptist school on the planet. And there's a lot of Southern Baptist churches in Waco, a lot of churches in Waco. And I was just driving through Waco. I've been there enough to know some side streets, and I was just driving through. And what I was looking for is church buildings, and they're everywhere. I mean, just about on every block, you're going to see a big church or a church. And here's what I noticed. There are, these, there are these big, huge buildings that I'm sure at one time was a growing, thriving church. But looking at the building today, you realize, you know what? It's not growing and it's not thriving. It's dissolving. Talk, talked to a really good friend just the other day. And, and back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, the church... He was at was the largest free will Baptist church in this, this whole area. They ran four or 500 people. Today on a good Sunday, they might have 15 or 20. You know what? The devil wants to do nothing more than to dissolve churches, and he wants to dissolve this church. And yeah, we, just are, we haven't even moved into our new building yet, but if he can throw a monkey wrench into this thing and to get you guys yang-yang at each other, and us diverted from the mission God has called us to, this thing can shut down in five years. He would like that. Would you? So we need to stand against the devil. He hates you. He's attacking you. So what can we do? Well, I'm ending my message right now with four steps, four things you can do to protect yourself and your family from the attacks of the evil one. Maybe you haven't written anything else down. You need to write these four things down. The number one thing you do is claim the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is your protection over the evil one. I want you to look again at Revelation chapter 12. Again, that's the chapter about the lady, the baby, and the big red dragon. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. We've already looked at that. Look at the next verse. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
and they did not love their lives to death. They had submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, and they overcame the attacks of the evil one with the blood of the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb is your protection. When he attacks you, which he will today, you claim the blood of Jesus. Go through the Bible, memorize the verses that have to do with the blood of Christ, for it is your protection against the devil. I've told you this story at least two times since I've been your pastor. I'm just going to briefly tell it again this morning. Uh, when Angie and I were in Pine Bluff Garage years ago, Whitney, how old is Whitney right now, babe? Do you know how old Whitney is? How old? 31 years old. She was just a little bitty girl, little toddler when this happened. That was a long time ago. Happened on a Saturday night. She was in her bedroom. You know the parsonage that we had at Oak Park. She was in the back left bedroom. Angie and I were in our bedroom right across the hall from her. All of a sudden, I, just, I was dead asleep. I just sat straight up in the bed wide awake. Somebody was in my house. I, I, I felt somebody was in this house. I, don't, I didn't have a gun back then, but I did have a pair of nunchucks <laughs> right under my bed. So I got out of bed, looked at Angie. She was sound asleep. Got out of my bed, got my nunchucks, went next door across the hall. Whitney was sound asleep. Started walking down that hall, went off into the living room. The door was shut, looked straight ahead into the, uh, the kitchen area. That door was shut, went to the little laundry room. That door was shut and locked. Nobody was in that house, but somebody was in that house. I turned on a kitchen light, and the hair on my arm was standing straight up. I had never had this sensation before. And all of a sudden, I was face to face with this evil spirit. There was a presence of evil in my house. And I knew instantly... It was the, the devil. If it was not Satan himself, it was one of his demons. I went to the living room. My, my parents had bought us this couch. It was a country couch, blue. Remember that blue couch? I stuck my head between, between the cushions of the seat, and I started crying out, God, help me. Something bad is happening in this house, and I need your help. And it became so clear to me. It became clear that the devil was there to do two things. He wanted to destroy my family, and he wanted to destroy my ministry. And I was having problems at the church. Things were not hunky-dory. There, there were issues I was dealing with. I was under attack there, but I knew he was there to destroy my family and my ministry. And so I got up, and I walked through that house, every single room, multiple times, claiming the blood of Jesus Christ. I prayed over my wife Angie and said, devil, you're not going to take her. I'm claiming the blood over her. I walked into Whitney's room and I prayed over her crib. I walked through the house praying the blood of Jesus and I finally ended up in that little, Gary, I keep picking on you. You remember that house? You were in there a bunch of times. It was a kitchen with a little dining room in there. Not very big. And I, I just started walking in a circle around that kitchen claiming the blood of Jesus. I was quoting every scripture that my mind had captured of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I told the devil to get out of my house, to get out of my life, and to leave me alone. 
And all of a sudden there was a peace. The blood of Jesus works. The devil was gone. You know what? Look at me. That's not just a one-time experience. No, I have never experienced anything to that level since then. But every single day the devil comes knocking on my heart's door wanting to destroy my family and my ministry and this church and my life. And I've got to claim the blood of Jesus Christ. So you claim the blood of Jesus. Number two, real quick, I won't won't belabor these points. You resist the devil. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The the devil will get away from you. He will run away. But you know what? You've got to do these things. You've got to submit to God. You must submit to the lordship of Jesus. It's not your way. It's God's way. And then you resist the devil. That means you say no to the devil. You don't let the devil have a foothold in your life. You don't crack the door just a little bit and let the devil in. No, you shut the door. That means when you're sitting there in your recliner and you're using the flipper going through the stations and all of a sudden there's something on that screen that you don't need to allow in your living room or your eyes to see that you don't linger. Well, I can't find the right button. No, you either change the channel or turn the crazy thing off. That means when somebody calls you and wants to spread accusations against the brethren to you, you don't, you know, oh, really? Well, tell me about it. No, you do what Barney Fife said, you nip it in the bud. You resist the devil. Say no to the devil. Number three, you put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The whole armor of God. Ronnie Floyd used to pastor the Cross Church in Springdale and Fayetteville and Rogers, but uh, he's, he's gone on doing different things now, about to retire again. But he wrote a book years ago about this particular thing. He said that he, he, he decided years ago that every day he was going to pray the armor of God on his family, that is, his wife, his kids, his grandkids. And I accepted that challenge myself. And so every day I pray for my parents, my sister, her family, my wife, my kids, and my grandkids. And I pray the armor of God on them. Now, I don't, I don't, I, please take this from, from my heart. You might think, well, ah, okay, no big deal. That ain't a big deal. So what? It is a big deal. Because if, if, if nobody is praying for your family, your kids, and your grandkids, if, if nobody, who's going to be praying for them? Who is going to pray the armor of God on them? They're your kids. They're your grandkids. So take this seriously. Pray the armor of God on them. Start doing that. Every day I pray for my family. Lord, I pray that all of us would put on the belt of truth. Lord, I pray that, you would, that you, we would put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, that we would put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, that we would carry the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. And Lord, having done all, help us to stand for you. Just real quick about those pieces of armament. All of them are for your front. Either, they're either protection for your front or they're weapons. Ain't nothing for the back. So don't be running from the devil. Don't be hiding 
from the devil. You stand there and having done all, putting on the whole armor of God, claiming the blood of Jesus and resisting the devil, you wear the armor of God and stand. And then you do the last thing. That is, you take your one way of escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we've already read it, but no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but, will, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to stand up under it. God's going to give you one way of escape, one way, and you've got to take that one way. He's faithful. He'll help you because he loves you. The devil don't. The devil hates you. He wants to destroy you. He is going to accuse you and he is going to tempt you. When that happens, you claim the blood of Jesus Christ. You resist the devil. You put on the whole armor of God. And when God gives you that way of escape, you don't hang out there with Potiphar's wife. You run out that door and get away from him. Look at me. I'm... I'm Finishing up right here. The devil is not your friend. And he is not just some figment of your imagination. He is a created being. And his objective is to take you to hell. And he wants to take your kids to hell. And he wants to take your grandbabies to hell. Say no to the devil. Say yes to God. And it all begins by applying the blood of Jesus to your life. If you're here today or you're listening online, you've never accepted Jesus, today needs to be your day of salvation, friend. Accept his gift of forgiveness. Invite Jesus into your heart. Up here with Jesus. Down here with the devil. You need to choose Jesus today. And if you have a family, you're members of the community, I would challenge you today to come to the altar and pray the armor of God on your family. Pray a hedge of protection on your life and their life because the devil is after you. Heavenly Father, please help us not to be ignorant of his devices and help us, dear Lord, to apply the blood of Jesus to our life. If there is anyone who needs to be saved either in this place or listening online, I pray that they would admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus can save them, and confess Jesus as Lord of their life today. Lord, for the rest of us, help us to come and use the altars today and pray protection on our life and our families. Help us to claim the blood of Jesus, put on the armor of God, resist the devil, and take our way of escape praying for the families in this church today. Lord, help us to take this serious. Help us to pray for our church that the devil not destroy this good thing that is going on here in the kingdom of God. All praise, honor, and glory goes to you, Lord Jesus. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as they sing? Just step out and come. Let's pray today and ask God's help.
faithful. Help us to be true to you. I pray that we would submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ every day and in every way. Help us to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wickedness in our world today. And having done all, Lord, help us to stand. Bless everyone listening, whether they be in this building or online. Dear Lord, give us your peace, give us your presence, and help us to be a light in this world. Protect us from the evil one. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. Isn't God good? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Protect us. Uh, just a couple of things before I uh, let you take off out of here. And you know what? I know that I've kept you a little bit longer than normal, but it's okay. Harvest time is not done yet. I know Darren's just getting going over there, so we're, we're okay, all right? Uh, when you walk out, make sure you put your offering in one of those black boxes, or you can give online. At 6.30 tonight, we're going to have a Bible study Facebook Live, Don Smith is going to be teaching that lesson. 7 o'clock, come uh, back on Wednesday night, and we're going to have great things for all ages. This year, we're doing Adopt-A-Missionary. Uh, for the first time in 20 years, we're not doing Adopt-A-Family. We're doing Adopt-A-Missionary. Uh, Free Will Baptists have 65 missionary kids, okay? 65 kids of missionaries serving globally, and we're going to adopt those 65 kids and give them a Christmas they will never forget, all right? Uh, we're also adopting 20 kids from Puerto Rico, so we're going to provide Christmas for 85 kids this year. Our goal is $30,000, going to give them a fantastic Christmas. You've already given 11650 Thank you for that. Uh, just give between now and the end of November, and mark on your check, AAM, Adopt a Missionary. God bless you for doing that. Uh, be praying for a couple of families in our church. Um, uh, Gary and Brenda Reichert at one time attended here. Brenda has passed away. Her funeral is going to be tomorrow, and Brother Jason's going to be preaching that funeral. So pray for that family. Also pray for uh, Anthony and Brittany Surrett. Um, uh, Brittany grew up here. Her, her mom, uh, David and Kim Wright, are faithful members of our church. Uh, Anthony and, and Brittany, uh, she was pregnant with a baby. Uh, she had gone 38 weeks and lost the baby this weekend. So be praying for, uh, for Brittany especially. Pray for their family. All right? Pray for each other. All right? We need it. Now, here's, here I'm going to give you a warning. Uh, Brother Johnny's not doing anything tonight for kids. He's done it all during kids' church. So your kids or grandkids are going to have the biggest bag of candy you've ever seen. And as Brother Nathan said, teach them tithing to you. All right? <laughs> Hope you have a great day. God bless you. You're dismissed.